Let's just, get, let's just take a moment to give Jesus some more praise in the house. Come on. We give our funds, we give our offerings, and we also give God praise. It's all about declaring the worship of God, what God is worth in our lives. So glad you're here in church on the Lord's Day. Turn to the person beside you and say, you look better than the last time I saw you. There you go. You feel better about that already. We are continuing our series in the book of James. I want to thank you for coming out today. Some people are staying home. They're watching by the internet. But you came to church and you made it on time, Change Sunday. So give yourselves a hand. I saw somebody post, oh, it's the worst day of the year. To me, it's the best day. You get to get to worship one hour early. You get to be with God's people one hour early. It's all how you look at it. So you're here one hour before you would have been last week, which means you could show up for the 9 o'clock service. Just think about that. Just you could make it. You could make it. Uh, so we've been studying this very practical book of scriptures uh, that James has given to us, our friend James, inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's filled with practical wisdom. Uh, we've studied through the third chapter where it talks about the wisdom of guiding and choosing our words as we're directed to say the right thing. It actually sets a direction for our life. Last week we talked about the importance of receiving wisdom from the right place, that you can receive wisdom from above, or you can tap into a wisdom of this earth that he calls unspiritual wisdom. Now, today's message is for absolutely everyone. Everyone, everyone, everyone. Well, let me just do a survey. How many of you have had conflict with anyone at any time? I'll try that again. How many of you have had conflict with anyone at any time. Well, that's what the fourth chapter is about. It begins with this question. So let's open up the fourth chapter. If you have your Bible, you can open it up. If you've got your device, you can open it up. You can pull out the, the uh, study guide that has the scriptures we're looking at as we delve into the fourth chapter that teaches us how to have wise relationships. God would like you to fight less. God would like you to have less conflicts. And he'd like them to re be resolved quickly and peacefully. So today we're talking about wise relationships or having wisdom in our relationships. How many of you have some relationships right now? If your, friend did, if your neighbor didn't put their hand up, let's pray for them. because God has wired you for relationships. God created you. He could have put each one of us on a separate planet. There's enough in the universe that you could just be on your own planet having a relationship with God. But he chose to throw you into this room with all these imperfect people. Well, you know, you, there'd be no conflict if everybody thought the way you did about everything. If everyone was perfect like you, everything would be great. But he put you on the planet with these imperfect people so that you could learn how to love people even when they're difficult. Just like God loves you, even when you're difficult. Here is the opening question to chapter 4 that we're looking at today. 
uh, and it's a good question. It's a question we should ask ourselves. If you have conflict, what is the cause of the conflict? What is the cause of the quarrels and what is the cause of the fights that you have, the disagreements you have? What is the genesis of your conflicts? Then he goes on to give principles on understanding the cause and principles on having better, more peaceful relationships, shalom in the home, peace in your place. That's God's plan for you. And he opens up and says, here's the things I'd like you to learn as you think about the conflicts you are having. Have less of them. Resolve them quickly. It's not God's plan for you to be in conflict for days, weeks, months, and some of you, years. Not God's plan. Here's what he wants us to understand. That to overcome conflict, we have to learn to look to God as our source and supply. You can't overdo the weight you put on the imperfect person that you're in conflict with. You can't look to them to meet your needs. Many conflicts happen, and I hear it, oh, she's not meeting my needs. Oh, he's just not meeting my needs. I've got to move on because she just can't seem to get it right. He just doesn't meet my needs. Well, listen, he's just asked, what causes the quarrels? What causes fighting? And then he says, you have desires, but you don't, they're not satisfied. You have desires, but they're not satisfied. You have uh, some things that you want or you covet, and you haven't obtained them. And your unmet desires, the things that you want, that you're looking to, to other people, have caused you to get into a fight, conflicts. We, even when we describe it, we talk about getting even. You ever hear somebody, oh, I've just got to get even. You get even because you view the other person as having something you don't have. That's what getting even. So they're, they're, somehow they've got an advantage. And you want to get even. He says, when you have that feeling towards others, it's very strong language, you desire and you do not have, so you, it's a strong word, isn't it? You don't even want to say it. What's that word? Isn't that, isn't that, so we will downplay relational conflicts. We downplay fighting with others. Oh, you know, we just don't get along. It happens to everybody. The scriptures elevate it and say, it's like murder. Now, I don't think anyone in this house would say, well, you sign me up for that. I want to be a murderer. What he's teaching us is when you are in conflict with someone, you are squeezing the life out of them. When you're in conflict with someone, you are actually squeezing the life out of your own life. John says the very same thing when it says anyone who hates his brother or sister and we don't, we don't like to use the word hate in church because we're, we're spiritual people. We don't hate people. We dislike people intensely. We don't get along. We have personality differences. We've got all kinds of words we use to, like, smooth over. We're downplaying the issue when the Spirit of God is upplaying the issue. He's saying words like murder. Hate. When you hate your brother, you are a, a same word. Wow. So this issue is important. And 
James is teaching us one of the reasons you have this squeezing the life out of a relationship, squeezing the life out of a person, taking life away from the relationship, you could say it like this, murdering the relationship. One of the reasons you're doing that is because you're looking to the person to meet your desires or to satisfy your needs when you should be looking to God. See this little line, the bottom line, and it's about prayer, it's about looking to God. You don't, you don't have, notice the first line, you desire some things and you don't have. Now he's explaining why you don't have. You don't have because the other person can't meet your needs. No. What's it say? You don't have? Now who should you be asking? Oh, I see you're sharp. He's saying instead of putting the heavy weight on your spouse, your friend, your employer. Did you know that your employer is not your, 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 your source and supply? No. You don't show up to work to impress your employer. You show up for work to work for God. That's what the Bible tells us. And you recognize, hey, you're not my source. I'm, I'm not gonna expect you to meet all my needs. This morning as I arise, I'm looking towards heaven, I'm looking towards God, and I'm actually gonna ask God to help me today. I know you're not perfect, I got that down. So I am going to ask, oh God, help me today, and I acknowledge today that God, you are my source, you are my supply, you have everything that I need today for love, joy, peace, harmony. Come on, somebody say amen in the house. He's got everything, he, God has all of that and more for you. Every single day in every single relationship. So look to God as your source and your supply and pray. And pray. That's what prayer is about, looking to God as your source and supply. And when you pray, do not pray selfishly. Here's the great blessing in relationships is when you practice generosity. The last line that we just looked at said, uh, you, you don't receive when you don't pray. That's just a fact. When you, if you don't ask, you, it's not going to come. Then he says, you can pray, but you can pray wrongly. You can pray, I hope you are praying people, you can pray right prayers or you can pray wrong prayer, prayers. And how many know God answers every single prayer? Has that been your experience? I'll say it again. God answers every single prayer. And how many know that no is an answer? God answers every prayer. He answers some yes, because he knows you need it. He answers some no, because it's not right. And many times he just answers wait. Just wait. Just wait, because he wants to work on you in the waiting. Let me tell you this, waiting works. Waiting works. And so he answers every prayer. Now listen, this scripture says some of them are not answered because they're prayed with a selfishness. And selfishness destroys relationships, and he's pointing that out. He says, now some of you don't receive because you don't pray. That's just how, If you don't pray, <laughs> you're not going to get the answer. That's the first statement. Then he says, now some of you are praying and you do not receive because you have 
asked, what's that word? Wrongly. And what's a, what's a wrong prayer? A wrong prayer is a selfish prayer that you're going to spend on your own passions, your own desires. And when you're in conflict with someone, do not pray selfish prayers. Pray generous prayers. Don't pray get him God prayers. God, you know I've got trouble with whoever it is. Get him. Get him, God. Because, God, you know I'm right. And God, you know they're wrong. And you're praying selfishly. You're praying that you will get even. You're praying that, that I'm going to just pray. No, here's a great way to pray. Lord, how can I be generous? How can I bless the person that I'm in conflict with? Could you imagine, in the middle of a fight, in the middle of a fight, just have this shift of thinking. Oops. I'm going to stop trying to win this argument. I'm going to stop trying to win this fight. And I'm going to ask, go God, what can I do to be a mega blessing to that person right now? Not a, not, not a few giggles, but no amens. Pray generously. How can I bless that person? How can I uh, give abundance to that person? How can, I, how can I move across the table and look at the circumstance through their eyes so that I could learn something in the middle of the conflict? And as I learn something, I'm going to grow. Oh, God, change me instead of praying, oh, God, change them. Generosity fuels harmony. Generosity fuels relationships. Generosity is from the heart of God. So he says, okay, practice generosity. The third principle, he says, is you've got to choose God-loving friends. There are some friends that walk the earth that you will never be really close to. Let me point this out. Uh, there are some friends that are toxic. There are some relationships that are toxic. And as you analyze your relationships today, uh, sometimes you just need to make the choice, I'm going to upgrade my relationships. I'm moving from economy to first class. I'm going to upgrade. Now here is what James tells us. Every friendship that you have, of all the friends you have, how many have friends? Let's see, just how many have friends? Okay, every friendship that you're thinking, you think of who that friend is? You think of somebody? Okay. That person, every friendship you have, is either bringing you closer to God or they're dragging you farther away from God. Every relationship you have is either drawing you towards God or taking you farther away from God. And James says, oh, serious language again, you adulterous person, you adulterous people, and adultery is an illicit relationship. That's what adultery is, an illicit relationship. So that's the context of his comment. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Now, it's okay to have friends who are in the world or friends who are far away from God if you are influencing them. I have friends that are not Christ followers. They're far away from God. But if they are influencing you, if they're drawing you away from God, that relationship needs to be trimmed. 
Come on, I'm preaching now. Come on. Somebody say amen. I know some of you go, ah, but I really like them. Get these words. Friendship with the world. This is the world system. People that, friendship with the world. So if your friendship with someone who is in the world is causing you to love the world and love God less, that relationship is toxic. It's drawing you farther away from God. Because you can't have fellowship, deep relationship, when the person you're in relationship with isn't alive in their spirit. Jesus says you're dead in your spirit until you come to God's kingdom and you accept Jesus. So you can be together physically. You can like play volleyball. You can do physical things together. You can be together uh, emotionally. You can share emotions. You can share intellectual conversation. But when the person's spirit is not alive in God because of Jesus Christ, you will never have that deeper relationship. People that love God are the people you can be closest to on the planet. There are a lot of God-loving people in the house today, just in case you're looking. There's a lot of people that love God that are here. If you love God, put your hand up. These are all candidates, all good candidates. And those people who have accepted Jesus, you better have a good relationship with them because you're going to live with them forever. And I have this subtle teaching that I give, that I believe, that people that you don't resolve conflict with here on the earth in the family of God, your mansion is right beside theirs in heaven. It's not a Bible verse, but I just think that's what God does. Okay, you couldn't work it out down here? Okay, they're your neighbor forever. People who are alive spiritually can have fellowship physically, emotionally, intellectually, and spiritually. He says the enmity with the people of the world will draw you far away. You have to go, do an inventory of your friendship and make sure that you've got some good, God-loving God friends who are drawing you closer to Christ because those relationships are eternal and they're blessed. The fourth principle is this. To overcome conflict, walk humbly. Humility makes a place and a space for grace in a relationship. Verse 5 says, uh, or do you uh, suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says, he, God, yearns jealously over the spirit that he's made to dwell in us. This verse is just telling us God has placed his spirit, his fingerprints are all over you, and he yearns to have a relationship with you. And he has a relationship through something called grace. That's why it says this, because God gives, oh, I love this, I love this, not a little bit of grace. God gives more grace. You don't need a relationship with the universe. You don't need a relationship with karma. Because that teaching says that, that the universe or karma will bless good people. Do good things, and good things will happen to you. You need grace. Grace says, God will bless you even when you're bad. That when you are far away from God, God graces your life and pulls you into the family of God, then helps you to grow in the family of God. We all need grace. 
It is the fundamental way we have a relationship with God. He yearns to have a relationship with you. And you don't have to be good enough. You don't earn it. You can't deserve it. God graces you, and he gives it to you. Somebody, come on, somebody in the house, somebody in the house, praise God for his grace. It's amazing. He gives not a little bit. Everyone just say, more grace. Someone needs to hear that. Somebody thinks that you've, you've exhausted it. You haven't come close to exhausting the grace of God. He's got more grace. Help me a little bit today. Help me preach to the person beside you. Just tell him he has more grace for you. Just tell him he has more grace for you. Hallelujah. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud. If you want to blow up a relationship, if you want to fight more, if that's really the desire of your life, oh, I just wish I could fight more. I wish there was more conflict in my life. Cultivate a spirit of pride. Some people only know one note, and it's not do, and it's not re, it's not ti. What's the, what's the note they know? Me, 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 me. Now notice this. With only one note, you get no harmony. That wasn't my idea. That came out of the last service. I, the me, me, me was me. And then they came and said, you know, I think it was Sebastian, said, you know, if there's only one note, there's no harmony. And I thought, man, I'm going to preach that. Because I will steal anything and use it for the glory of God. So I'll come back. Remember the first, I've got to have my needs need to be met. You got to be meeting me. Me, you got to meet me. Things aren't going well because me is not being met. Me needs to get even. No, 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 no. God opposes that spirit, but He gives grace to those who are humble. Humility says, humility recognizes, I need help. With our relationship with God, I need help. And I come to God. And I ask for help, and he gives more grace, and he helps because I'm open to receive it. And here's what we realize. Because God gives grace to us when we are in conflict with someone else, and we understand how much grace God has given to us, what do we give to the other person? Humility makes a place and a space for grace. Humility does that. Humility says, I need help. I recognize I need grace. And because you've received so much grace, what should you give to the person you're in conflict with? A little bit louder, please. Come on. Grace upon grace. How much grace should you give? You're tuned in. I love when you're tuned in to the message. How much grace should you give to the person you're in conflict with today? Some of you have a hard time saying, like, that's because you're proud and God opposes that if you will humble yourself there will be a new release of grace in your life you'll understand God better and you'll understand relationship with others better he gives more grace grace upon grace 
Now, this verse that teaches us to draw near to God, this verse is a power verse. Uh, This is a verse that you should have memorized already, and if you haven't memorized it this week, work on this verse. This is a verse that you should have stuck on your mirror. This is the verse you should have on a three-by-five card. This is a verse that should be your screen saver. This verse, if you will meditate on it every day, I promise you, next week will be better than last week. This is a power verse. And it's all about, the center of this teaching is, draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. That's such good news. In fact, I believe that if you take one step towards God, he comes running towards you. That's what, that's what Jesus taught in the story of the prodigal who was far away. As soon as the father, which is the heart of God, as soon as the father saw the prodigal rounding the hill, rounding the horizon, as soon as he saw that he was walking towards home, he was walking towards the father, he was returning to his father's house, the father ran to that prodigal. If you take one step towards God, he is going to come running for you today. Come on, somebody give God praise for that. Somebody needs to know that. You clapping your hands are like, oh yeah, that's right, that is true. He gives grace, and he does that by you coming near to God, and he runs towards you. Now, how do we get close to God? Watch this. Surrender or submit yourself to God. Surrender or submit yourself to God. When life is too hard to stand, hit your knees. When life is too hard to stand, fall on. This is, a, this is the sign of surrender. This is a sign of submission. This says, what we admitted through humility, I need help, and Lord, I surrender to you. I come to the cross, and I surrender my life. When we talk about making Jesus the Savior and the Lord of our lives, we call him Lord because he is. He's in charge. He's the CEO. He has the corner office. We don't get to say, God, here's what I'd like to do today. We come to God and say, God, what would you like to do today? We don't get to say, God, here's how we would like to run the Church of Hope. We humble ourselves and say, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, we need you. Oh, God, well, how, what should we, what do you want to do with the Church of Hope? We're constantly surrendered. Now, when you surrender to God, you overcome darkness. When you surrender to God, he pours his strength into you. When you surrender to God, the anointing of the Holy Spirit comes, and then you can resist the devil, and then the devil will flee from you. When you are under spiritual attack, the best thing you need to do is get on your knees and surrender. You need to say, oh God, I surrender. I give up. I let go of my pride. I let go of my ego. The devil wants to keep you fighting for the rest of your life. The devil loves when you're in conflict. He loves when churches are at each other's throats. He loves when the place is falling apart. He loves to destroy homes. He loves to destroy churches. He loves to destroy communities. He loves to destroy the nation. How do we resolve that? We submit ourselves to God and we resist him. Lord, We get down on our knees and we surrender. And when we get back up, we're empowered by the Holy Spirit to resist the enemy. We draw near to God and then we can cleanse our hands because we should be doing that. Just putting that in there. It's right in the Bible. Can, Can I just say this? Let's not go crazy. 
can we, can we just decide, like, let's not go crazy. Someone told me, I was talking, someone told me, like, so we know that, like, hand sanitizer is wiped out. There's a girl that works in a, in a pharmacy. She said, it's, it's been nuts this week. There's no masks. But someone told me just this morning that there's been a run on toilet paper. What are they doing with that toilet paper? That's just panic. That's just, oh, my, we may not be able to go. People are, like, laying up. They got hand sanitizer now for the next five years. And then they put a TV show on how to make hand sanitizer. So you need isopropyl alcohol, and now it's gone. Okay, be, be wise. Here's your pastor. Be wise. If your immune system is compromised or you've got a weak immune system, be very careful in these days. That's wise to do. Uh, but if your immune system is strong, you're going to make it. You are. Like if you're, if you are. Wash your hands. That's what the Bible says. <laughs> That's not what it means. I'll tell you what it means in a moment. But I'm just ranting right now. I'm just ranting. So, so they have run out of hand sanitizer, but there still is soap in the world. And wash your hands, wash them frequently, and uh, uh, be, be careful around people. But if, if you're healthy, you're, you're going to make, like, there are more people getting the flu this week than getting coronavirus. And the, and the flu wipes people out as well. I probably, I'm thinking about this, I probably am around at least one person a week that has the flu. I touch so many people, and they spit on me, and they hug me, and they, they all, I, germs are. So I, I pray. Here's a prayer. Lord, supercharge my immune system. I pray that one. Lord, supercharge. I want it, oh, it's got to be strong, and you can hear it in my voice. Okay, but I'm okay. I've just been preaching hard. Uh, but let me come back to this. Let me get back to the word. That's that's not enough ranting. Okay. You can't get a mask to save your life either, which is concerning to me. So you've got guys that work in construction that have to have masks because they're around dust all day, and they can't get their masks because people have their garage full of masks. So if you have a mask, bring them into the church. We'll share them. Okay, where was I? Cleanse your hands. Okay, the real meaning, here's the real meaning of cleanse your hands. It means that when you come near to God, he's going to change the way you act. Your hands are action. Your, hand, your, your life is going to do more pure things. You're going to have a cleansed action. That's a big theme for James. James says our faith works. That's been the whole, your faith works. And works are part of your faith. Cleanse your hands, and also it's going to change the way you think. Your heart, your spirit, you're going to change the way your mind is. So as you draw near to God, everything is going to get better. And as you draw near to God, every relationship that you have is going to get better. That's the truth. When you're in conflict, check your spiritual life. Come back to point number one. Make sure God is your source and your supply. And the last thing he says in this section is just choose in relationships to speak no evil. Now, this is a theme in James. In the first chapter, he says, let's be slow to speak and quick to listen. Now, that would solve a lot of fights right there. 
let's slow down our tongue and pick up our ears. In the first chapter, he says you need to bridle your tongue. You need to beware of your words. In the third chapter, has an extensive teaching, which we've been through, an extensive teaching on watching your words, letting God direct your language, surrendering your mouth to God. Now he picks it up again here, and he says, now don't speak words that are evil. And what, are, what kind of words are evil? Best back up a little. Critical words are evil. So he says, don't criticize and don't speak evil about each other. And I would say, amen, hallelujah, praise God. Because criticism, when you're in a, when you get into a fight, some of you are Ginsu knife experts. The Ginsu knife slices and dices. And you know every button to push. Because the closer you live to someone, the more buttons you know. And you know what words hurt the most. You know, you know the words that hurt the most. And you pull them out when you need them. But you light a fire you cannot contain. You think, okay, I'm just going to be a little critical because you need it today. And uh, actually when I'm critical, uh, I've got some issues with you. Not really, just pretend. Pretend issues, Dave. Got some issues with you, uh, but I'm not going to talk to you about them. I'm going to talk to you about them. Because, Ron, you, you know my heart. And I just want to pray about David. You know, he's got some issues, and I, I think you should know the criticism I have towards David. Now, I trust you, Ron, that you're not going to talk to anybody. But the pro problem is you also trust somebody not to talk to anybody. I'm going to say, did you get that? I trust you, Ron, not to talk to anybody. But the problem is you trust somebody not to talk to anybody, and you tell that person. And it, in the third chapter, it talks about words being like fire. Well, criticism is the match that lights the fire that is uncontrollable. It will burn down your house. It will burn down your church. It will burn down your community, and God help us, it will burn down our nation, and we better listen. The spirit of criticism, just criticizing everything all the time. When we moved here um, 24 years ago, uh, we had a house that we sold. It hadn't closed. We had made a deal. We'd signed the deal, but the escrow hadn't closed yet, and we were selling to believers. We were selling to Christians. And so Darla got up one morning, and she's thinking about selling the house to Christians. And so she prays a prayer that goes something like this. Oh, God, we're selling to Christians, and we don't want to give them anything bad. If there's anything wrong with this house, please reveal it so we won't give it to these new people. And that night we had a house fire as an answer to Darla's prayer. Because there was a problem with our house. And God revealed it. The problem with our house was we had a fireplace. It looked beautiful. The facade was beautiful. But when the house was being constructed, there was a bricklayer's strike on. So behind the facade, the, the brickwork was just, it wasn't brickwork. It was just like bricks thrown in there. 
There were a lot of beer bottles in there, so you know what was going on. They weren't real bricklayers that laid the fireplace. It was yahoos. If they, literally, they, would ha- they had no mortar. I guess they didn't know that's how you're supposed to do bricks. They would have like a row of bricks, then a row of beer caps, and then bricks on top. They were like balancing the bricks on beer caps. So every time we had a fire in our fireplace, the wooden structure around the fireplace, the wooden studs, every time you had a fire, it lowered the ignition point of that wood. Got lower and lower and lower. We're now days away from moving out. We haven't closed escrow, but we're days from moving out. We have some extra wood in the garage, and so we're going to have one last fire. And Darla had prayed in the morning. God, if there's any problem with this house, please reveal it. And he did. We lit a fire in the fireplace. It was a beautiful evening. And the ignition point of the wooden stud got so low that it started a fire in the walls. This is a very dangerous kind of fire because it gets super hot. It doesn't have a lot of oxygen, so it just smolders and smolders and gets hotter and hotter and hotter. And then when it breaks through the, the, the drywall, when it gets air, when it gets oxygen, it flashes through the house like this. It catches everything on fire at the same time. It's a super dangerous kind of fire. It looked good on the outside. But it was smoldering in the walls. Come on, this is what criticism does. You can look good today. You came to church. You're watching online. God bless you. Send your tithes and offerings in. The little word of prophecy just came out right there. Participate with us. It looks good on the outside, but in the walls, it's smoldering. And when you criticize, you can't contain it. You think it's contained. I'll just I'll tell one person. I'll criticize. No, no, it smolders in the walls. Ron tells someone, tells somebody, and tells somebody, tells someone. And it smolders in the walls until it catches fire and it can burn down a relationship. It will murder a relationship. That's the language James uses. So he says, don't do it. Don't speak evil. Let God control the language that comes out of you. Speak words of encouragement. Speak words of grace. Because God has given you much grace, give that grace to others. And live in good relationship with the people around you. And the first and primary relationship that we encourage everyone to have is a relationship with God, your Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ. That relationship helps to bless every other relationship. As Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be blessed in our lives. So I want to give that invitation that you would have the most important relationship, that you wouldn't be fighting with God, that you'd lay down your sword and say, God, I'm going to let you be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm going to invite you to close your eyes, please. I'm going to invite you to open your heart. And I'm going to pray a prayer in a moment that receives Jesus Christ as our Savior and as our Lord. And if you're here today and maybe you've never had that relationship with God through Jesus Christ, or maybe you've had a relationship with the Lord, but it's grown cold, it's grown hard, and today you just need that relationship renewed. God is a God of relationship. That's why you are in a room filled with people. 
because he is a God of relationship. He wants to have a, he yearns to have a relationship with you, and he gives you the grace to have that relationship. So I'm going to pray a prayer, and if you are here and you say, Scott, I, I would like to either begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, or I'd like to renew my relationship with Jesus Christ today, because I want that. I promise you God wants that. I promise you he's knocking at your heart's door right now saying, please, I yearn, I yearn to be your, 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 your Lord. I yearn to be in your life. And if you're going to pray with me and receive that prayer in just a moment, I just want you to let me know. And here's how you let me know. You put your hand up high enough for me to see it. I'm not going to embarrass you, I promise you. I'm not going to embarrass you. And lift your eyes up so I don't miss you because you matter. You matter to God and I want to acknowledge you. So I don't want to miss you. If you just put your hand up and I'm not looking at that area at that moment, I would miss you. I'm the only one looking around and just between you, God, and your pastor, and you just put your hand up and make eye contact. I see you right there, buddy. Put your hand up. Thank you. Glad you're here today. Open your heart. Stay with us and open your heart to Jesus Christ. Way at the back. Yeah, see you guys. Glad you're here today. And bless you guys. Thank you for being here. God, God is yearning for a relationship right here. See you guys. God bless both of you. Walk with Jesus this week. Walk with Jesus this week. Who else would say, that's me today? That's me. I'm going to do that. I'm Right over here. Thank you. God bless you. Glad you're here. Thank you very much. We see that right over there. I see that right there. God bless you. Thank you so very much. I don't want to miss anybody. If, you, if I haven't made eye contact with you, you can join these. We're going to pray together. Thank you very much. We're all going to stand together. Let's do that. Let's all stand together. Let me say this. I'm going to pray in a moment. But there are people in this room... And this is the day that you're going to show your dedication to God by being baptized. We have, uh, we've baptized people last night. About 10 people were baptized last night. Some people came right off the floor, just said, I'm going to be baptized. You can do that in the next few moments and say, I'm going to join in baptism. We'd welcome you. Here's what you're going to do. While I'm praying this prayer, you just slip up to that room. Just walk into that room. They'll fully equipped, fully equipped to baptize you in the next few moments. And we're going to be baptizing you right here. We're be, yeah, right on. Yeah, so good. God bless you. So we're going to do that. But first we're going to pray a prayer to establish or reestablish our relationship with God through Jesus Christ as our Savior and as our Lord. If you haven't been baptized, get baptized in the next few moments. Just like John the Baptist stood in the Jordan and said, believe and be baptized. I'm saying the same thing to you today. Believe and be baptized in Jesus' mighty name. So we pray this prayer. Close your eyes, please. And I'm going to ask everyone, 100% of us, just to lift our voices and confess Christ. So lift your voice and just say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I repent of my sins. And I leave them behind. And I receive your love, your forgiveness, your grace, your mercy. Thank you, God, for loving me. Now fill me with the Holy Spirit. Give me a new heart. Make me a new creation. Help me to follow Jesus every day of my life. To the glory of God, we pray together in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on. Give the Lord praise. Amen. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. So we want to help you. If you need to get materials, we want to connect you to materials. If you're saying yes to God, 
for the first time or for the first time in a long time, let us know by simply taking out your phone in the next few moments and texting the word yes. You're saying yes to God. Text the word yes to 941-260-1321 and we'll send you, we'll connect you. We want to get you connected. You don't have to join this church. It's a great one. But you don't have to. We want you to, we want you to join Jesus' family. And we want to help that to happen. And also, keep inviting your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers, so we can invite them to receive Christ's life. We can see them be baptized. We can celebrate with them. Keep on inviting. Keep on including.